Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to another episode of this freaking show. The weekly podcast with a little bit of something and a whole lot of nothing. I am your host, Travis D. And with me, as always, Awkward Colin. And Geekcast Joe. So, uh, how, um, in your opinion, how was your time at uh, Indiana Comic Con? Uh, it was great. I had a great time at Indy Comic Con this last weekend. I did too. I did. How about you guys? Oh, I, I had a blast. I, it, I, I get what um, I understand now. What you're saying about it being kind of small. Yeah, yeah. They're still, uh, still trying to get their feet under them. I think. I think this was the only yeah. their third year. Well, it's so. like, <clears throat> and that's one of uh, uh, the one thing I did like about it is that even though like the uh, convention itself or whatever the <clears throat> the convention itself was kind of small like it didn't have a lot of vendors as like C2E2 did but it had so many yeah. like Q&As and stuff like that that you were be able that you were able to be involved in and that's and that's what uh uh I guess we did most of the time on Saturday was uh going to these uh Q&As and stuff like that I can't remember panels. the panels and stuff like that yeah, and those were surprisingly good. I've never actually gone to uh, to many of those before, and so actually being there from the beginning for three different panels was uh, it was a new experience for me, and it was something I think I'd like to repeat in the future. Well, it's like it's like I was telling Colin. It's like I'm glad that those were entertaining because to drive all the way out to Indianapolis and do nothing but walk around the convention itself, it wouldn't have been worth it. And that's the one thing I was worried about. I was like, you know, we took this three hour drive out here to walk around something that takes an hour and a half to do just just to drive three hours back. Right. So it was nice that, you know, they had those panels with, um, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but, uh, one of the guys from Star Trek was there. Uh, one of the Spiner. Yeah. Spiner. Yeah. Uh, Davies or Davis from, uh, Lord of the Rings. John Reese. Yeah. He, John Rice uh, Davies. I think he had the most people walk out. <laughs> he and, was definitely a character to begin. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people but, walked out on well, that see, one. And that's the that thing was too, really it's weird. Like, it's like after he got through his introduction with, I think his his intro was it was kind of confusing for me because it sounded really political and it basically like he was trying he was it sounded to me he was implying that he encourages the idea of uh, destroying half the population. <laughs> yeah, of like third world countries. Yeah, is what it kind of yeah, sounded like. like. <laughs> Because yeah. what he says, like, I'm not feeling like much of a dwarf today. <laughs> well, I'm feeling today. I feel like more of a silverback <laughs> yeah. gorilla. I think one of the things that <laughs> all right, man. One of the things that um he said that uh, imprinted in my mind that I really didn't think about. I think he said like the top 170 richest people in the world have more money than the bottom like 13.1 billion, or not 13.1 like 2.1 billion people. Yeah, something was, like that. It was a high number. Yeah, that really baffled me. I was like, I mean, and I know like the like the richest people in the world have a lot of fucking money, but to to exceed two point one billion other people is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, and and that was the biggest problem because like like the first twenty minutes of his uh, talk was like a college lecture. It's like I was trying to figure out where I'd go to drop the class when I was in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was thoroughly enjoying it. You know, lots of people left and went to go like drink beer on the yeah. comments. Well, and that's the thing I like too is like because like, when like the mass majority walked out, like the final group walked out, that's when it turned around and he became he became more entertaining, more funny. Uh, we talked about uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, some idiot asked a political question. Oh yeah, what a moron! <laughs> but how well oh, he, yeah, did it was, he did thought, it by... a great job. Um, oh, and then uh, they had the uh, voice actors came out and they uh, did a reading from Star Wars. Yes. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's, I think, the quote he was, uh, the world's 85 richest individuals have as much money together as three, three and a half billion poorest people in the world. So they got more money than more than half of the, the bottom half of the population. Okay. 
Yeah, that's just, no. it, that's just yeah, that's it's just, baffling. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and to put that in perspective, because I like doing this now that I've learned how to do it. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, sorry, whoo, calm down, Joe. There are uh, about a thousand seconds in fifteen minutes, and there are about a million seconds in a week. And about um, uh, a billion seconds in 35 years. To give you like that, that's how I think of scale now, because I can't imagine numbers that big that easily. <laughs> but like I've been alive for 25 years. So like add 10 more years to that and that's a billion seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So Travis, you've been muted. Why are you muted? Oh, I was just looking at something real quick, and I was worried that uh, my coughing would uh, would interfere oh, with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, another cough attack, eh? It's it's Fair one of those enough. weird things, and, and and I can be honest with people. Um, during my whole quit smoking thing, I had a minor hiccup a few weeks ago where I did uh, indulge an entire pack of cigarettes, and um, after quitting again, I'm back into that real phase where like everything's being coughed back up. So, mm. so if I and another thing that's kind of weird that I didn't realize until uh, Indiana Comic Con is that if I sneeze once, it's gonna be excessive for like two, three, maybe four of them, and I don't know why. Oh yikes! <laughs> so if I feel like something like that's gonna happen, I'm gonna mute myself real quick just to prevent that from being on Fair the enough. show recorded. Well, you're you're allergic to political discussion, is what it sounds like. To I me. thought I thought I was allergic to Indiana, and I think I scared the fucking uh, dude at the door. The attack. <laughs> When uh, me and Colin went into the uh, Star Trek dude's uh, talk and I started sneezing, I wanted to go outside and, you know, just to get out of my system and get it done and go out of the way. Well, I was heading towards the entrance um, of the room instead of going towards the exit. And I was sneezing, I was sneezing. And for some reason, the guy asked me, he's like, oh, are you allergic to the room? And I'm like, what? No, no. <laughs> no, I got to sneeze. I'm just going to go outside and sneeze real quick. You know, so I'm not interrupting the guy and everything. He's like, oh, well, you got to go to the uh, exit. And I look across the hall, across the room, see the exit. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go out here. <laughs> oh, you got to go to the exit. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to go out here. I'll be right back in and everything. And he just looked like he wanted to establish dominance, and it just wasn't working out. <laughs> so, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. But yeah. It was, a, it was a good show and everything. Or a good, uh, it was a good um, convention. I, I had yeah. a blast doing it. Driving out there and driving home were definitely worth it. Nice. Um, I'm excited for Indie PopCon, which I believe is in the same location, but I do believe yep. we'll yeah, get a hotel. We'll get, to be, we'll be getting a hotel for that one. Nice. And, yeah. Um, yeah, those panels were something. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead and finish. No, I was, no, I was, no. It's, it's something I've never really done before, like I, like I said. And I got to say, the 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 biggest advantage is like you know you go to them, and and worst case scenario, now you've got something to talk with Jack Gleason about when you run into him at the Clada <laughs> over there on uh, whatever avenue it's on. <laughs> so it's kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Well, was like uh, when we were sitting there listening to uh, him talk and everything, I actually YouTubed uh, his death scene in uh, Game of Thrones because I never seen it. Mm. So uh, that was uh, that was definitely an intense death he uh, he went through. But I also saw that it said that he retired from acting. Yeah, yeah, he's done with Hollywood for now. But he does like I forgot, didn't he say he does like the Broadway? Or not yeah, Broadway. he's got like a theater troupe in in England or uh, Ireland, but. That's what he said anyway. But yeah, yeah, as far as like, so I don't know. I mean, he could change his mind. He's only 23. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that's one of the things he said. Like, he just said like he was just done with it completely. I mean, I don't think anyone's really done with it. I mean, he even said to himself uh, he wouldn't be opposed to like coming back as like um, like a small role as like a waiter on Game of Thrones or like a flashback or something. Right, right. Exactly. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I had no idea who he was until like we went there. Um, I was under the impression he was like the son of uh, Jackie Gleason, or grandson of Jackie Gleason. Oh. From, like the, was it the Honeymooners? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so I was like, but after he spoke, I realized, no, he's not. It's <laughs> just a coincidence. Yep. <laughs> um, but, um, oh, speaking of um, 
indie pop con uh i want to get out with it is uh i found out and i I think i told colin and i'm not sure if i told you yet joey but there is going to be a wrestling show saturday of indie pop con yeah whereabouts uh it's going to be at the convention it's oh a, no kidding! It's an independent wrestling company that's bringing in some like old uh, wrestling legends, a couple uh, tag teams and single wrestlers and stuff, and they're gonna put on a show there. And my goal is to have us go and do that too because I love wrestling, and I think it'd be fun. Nice. And um, also, that's gonna be an indie popcorn, which is also exciting. And I just kind of give everyone a heads up what's going on. Um, our show in about, it's going to be actually about a month from now, month and a half from now, June, the week of June 6th, we are actually going to interview a cosplayer that will be at Indie Pop Con, uh, Super Casey. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Uh, we actually saw her at, uh, Comic Con. Yeah, we, she was actually at C2E2 as well. Oh, yeah. no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it comes to find out that, unfortunately for Colin, uh, Sunday she dressed up as Squirrel Girl. <laughs> huh. Nice. Yeah. But, hey, I got a picture with the Squirrel Girl. You got a picture with a Squirrel Girl. I did. I was happy. Yeah, which, unfortunately, was the only picture we got from uh, the event because we uh, – Well, we got man- more. It's just that was the more only stand-up one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only stand-up one. The only normally took one. Hey, Coops. I, I was just taking all the pictures from sitting down at the table, pretty much. So I'll weed that through those and put them up on the page if you'd like to look at them. Nice. Yeah. Oh. Should be good. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's get through a segment of a uh, freaking question, and then we will get to our guest for the evening. How about that? Sounds amazing. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, so this is a two-part question that comes from two different individuals. Um, the first part of this comes from Joe Swanson, uh, previous guest uh, from our show, not the handicapped cripple from the animated uh, Family Guy. <laughs> Second part comes from uh, Dwight, or DJ, actually, he doesn't like being called Dwight, but DJ. Uh, he was supposed to be on our show to talk about the WrestleMania, and unfortunately, the... Uh, uh, technical difficulty couldn't be uh, overpassed or whatever, or whatever, so he couldn't get on. But they both came up with a pretty similar question, so I'm gonna merge them together as a two-parter so we can answer that. Well, I'm okay. ready. Um, and I guess now that I'm reading Joey's, it's I guess it's gonna be a three-part question. <laughs> really easy though. Uh, all right. So Joe says, "Were you happy with how Deadpool turned out?" Any upcoming thoughts on heroes that need movies or heroes that would never see another movie or you would never see another movie of? So how did you feel about Deadpool? Uh, what superhero should have a movie but doesn't or somebody who has one and shouldn't have another one? And the other part to that is can DC bounce back with Suicide Squad, especially after what happened with Batman vs. Superman? Man. Yeah, uh, Joey, why don't you uh, why don't you take the first answer? Uh, Deadpool was amazing. It was really, really well done, and I was very impressed with it. Um, let's see, who am I missing? Oh, I I know I don't think anyone's been announced yet, but uh, the idea of a Miss Marvel movie gets me really excited. Um, uh, uh, Katie Sackhoff, by the way, is my choice of Miss Marvel for that role. Um, let's see. Someone who I would never want to see again. Um, at this point, Superman. I'm tired of Superman. I'm ready for him to not Superman. Yeah. It's not like I have a problem with Superman. It's just that I feel oversaturated with Superman. I want to see, I actually can't wait for the Wonder Woman movie. I'm more excited for that than I've been for any of the last few Superman movies. (laughs) Um, what was the last question? Uh, do you feel that DC could bounce back, bounce back with Suicide Squad compared to what happened with uh, Batman vs. Superman? I think that that is an insane question because Batman vs. Superman broke almost every box office record that has been set by Marvel. 
even though it got horrible reviews, it made more money than any other movie has ever made. And that's insane to me. So I don't know that there's anything to bounce back from. Now, I, that I think, being said, I think I think when human bounce back, like, like get better reviews or yeah. show that DC has a better has a better chance to come back from how crappy it was. That's fair. No, I wasn't calling him insane for asking it. I'm just like, to me, like I'm thinking about it with the numbers and stuff and it's crazy. But I will say uh, after the reviews from Batman versus Superman, they went and they they remade parts of Suicide Squad to try to make it more lighthearted and campy. And I think that that's going to bite them in the ass. I think they should have made the movie that they made and released it without any apologies. Um, so I think the answer is, is yes – uh, it will affect uh, how they do a Suicide Squad because they uh, – like I think they're going to be less likely to be able to bounce back because they decided, oh, no, people didn't like what we made. <laughs> and I think it's going to screw them up. I think I think the Suicide Squad movie that they originally planned for would have been perfect. And that's that's my – today is Monday, May 2nd, and you can, you can say that I'm freaking calling it. <laughs> so – now I I didn't read or look too much into what they were saying as far as redoing some of the scenes. Were they going for more Deadpool humor or more DC Marvel humor? I think it was more Deadpool humor in the first place, where it was like very dark and gritty, and uh, more in the same style as Batman versus Superman. Which I got to be honest with you, I don't have a problem with the style of that movie. I just think the movie was not well paced. They tried to cram. They tried to cram ten gallons worth of stuff in a five-gallon bucket of a film, and just couldn't do it. Like, and I think people were like, "I don't really know what's wrong with this," but it was really dark, so I'm going to go with that. And so I think that that that's what DC heard. Instead of hearing, "Oh, we need to make a good movie," what they heard was, "Oh, we need to make a campier movie, like Guardians of the Galaxy." Yeah, and I think that's wrong. I think DC should have dark and realistic and scary, frightening villains. Like they probably had in the first place. Yeah. But I'll stop off my soapbox and let you guys. <laughs> uh, I think um, I think one of my favorite uh, DC movie, the way they depict a villain, was probably when Batman Returns, when they depicted um, Penguin. Yeah. Because that was, I mean, they, I think they did perfect on that aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, Batman and, was it Batman and Robin with Mr. Freeze? Mm-hmm. That was just fucking goofy. That was really goofy to me. Mm -hmm. Schwarzenegger? Yeah. Um, but what that they did... That also the Riddler, didn't it? Uh, Batman and Robin... No, Batman Forever had the Riddler. Uh, Riddler and Two-Face. Oh, Batman and Robin had uh, Bane, Poison Ivy, and Mr. Freeze. Gotcha. Batman Returns had uh, Catwoman and Penguin, right? Yeah. But, I mean, like, the way they did those villains were perfect because they were dark and, like, I mean, it was fucking creepy. And that's what they should stick with. I'm hoping they didn't do too much, like, goofy DC humor because I think that would screw up what everyone was anticipating with Suicide Squad. Yep. Um, Colin, what's your answer? Uh, you're going to have to repeat the questions. Uh, how did you feel about Deadpool? Okay. What DC movie or what DC hero or what superhero, <laughs> DC Marvel, whatever, should get a movie? Or if one has got a movie, shouldn't get another movie? And uh, do you think that based on how everyone reacted to Batman Superman, would they have a better reaction to Suicide Squad? Um, Suicide Squad? Or not Suicide Squad, Deadpool? First one, Deadpool, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I th I thought it was hilarious movies. It was very well done, and uh, I would go see it again if it was in theaters, and if I had the time. And but I will probably buy it when it comes out because I found that very very humorous, <laughs> very well. Uh, as far as movies that they need to just stop making characters, I would say Batman. Because, like I said before, I think Batman's just a little bitch. <laughs> um, so that would be the one that I would say to stop making movies on. And then, what was the last one? Oh, with the Suicide Squad and Batman vs. Superman. 
Yeah, yeah. Can Suicide Squad help DC kind of? Uh, I think back so. Some glory? Um, hearing Joe say that that they made it a little. You said lighter. Yeah, I guess they're making it. They went back and they made some of the scenes a little bit more lighthearted. If I think I definitely agree that will definitely fuck them over because you, you want to have they're villains. You want to have a darker side, not a lighthearted side. Right. I mean, they've murdered people. Right. Some of them for fun. Yeah, I mean, but if you turn around and say, oh, look at me, I'm a happy comedian. That's right. just fucking stupid. Absolutely. But, totally agree. <laughs> yeah, so that's my thoughts on that. How do you, Travis? Um, I absolutely love Deadpool. I think the rated R... Uh, path that they took was the right path to do because I was getting tired of PG-13. Uh, when people died in Deadpool, uh, Deadpool, you knew they died. Yeah, that's what I mean. for sure. So that was pretty cool. Um, I, as far as um, heroes getting movies, I think they're pretty much already doing it with um, uh, I think Black Panther's supposed to get a movie. Um, and Miss Marvel's gonna get a movie. Uh, when you get the TV shows like Iron Fist and uh, Luke Cage, they're getting their um, their moment. The one I would pick to stop would be Spider Man. Oh yeah, I was thinking about him too. Yeah, I could do that. Um, and the only reason is because like I I never saw a Superman movie before, so I don't know how they are. But if I had to look at Superman movies I know compared to the Spider Man movies I know. I think there's been a, I think there's been more Spider-Mans than Supermans. I could be wrong, but it seems like because there's been what uh, I think this would be like the sixth uh, Spider-Man movie in like the last decade. Correct. So I I think I think when it comes to Spider-Man, I think they're just done because I think Fox wants to try to make it perfect and it's already failed twice to their perfection that they want to try again. Well, yeah. they uh, what ended up happening now is they've actually uh, Sony owns the property and they've made a deal with uh, Marvel, where Spider-Man can be in the Avengers film that's coming up. Yeah, um, but I mean, to what extent? I mean, like after that, how far can he go into the Marvel, the uh, Disney Marvel universe? You know, I have no idea. Um, but that's that's the only reason he was rebooted was because he he gets to join the Marvel universe now. And so they're going to do another. See, my problem is, is I'm tired of reboot movies like, oh, gee, what's his backstory? Did his Uncle Ben die and then he got bitten by a radioactive spider? Yeah. Like, we all know how Spider-Man was created. Give me something interesting and new. Yeah. I mean, the only the only difference I know from the original uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and the reboot that last came out was with Tobey Maguire, his webs came out of his body itself to where with the other one, it was a mechanical attachment right or some shit like yeah. that yeah it was more like i mean and it was the amazing spider-man so it were uh, they were two different iterations of the character which was cool yeah, but i actually I mean, really liked so... andrew garfield's way he played the character <laughs> yeah, i mean like between i mean like you say like one is spider-man one's the amazing spider-man i mean like it's like comparing you know christian bale's batman to um george clooney George Clooney's or uh, Michael Keaton, Keaton and the uh, right. No, Morris. totally, totally, you know, totally. Sp- you know, Batman is Batman is Batman is Batman, just like Spider Man, Spider Man. You know, even if you tweak a one thing about it, Stan Lee's gonna fucking end up in the show. You know, it's, <laughs> no matter uh, who owns the property, too. Exactly. <laughs> even if it's so, a DC. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! I would love for him to show up in a DC movie. <laughs> that would have been so great. I want him. I want him to play like. Like a, a confused old man, like walking down the street of a DC movie, like this ain't where I'm supposed to be, and then just walks <laughs> off. This ain't my oh, that'd stop. Be great. I think that would that would be a knock against DC, though. I oh do, yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean it's, and uh, I I think um I think Suicide Squad shouldn't have redone what they did. Because it's showing a lack of confidence they have in their movie, which is showing me that maybe it's not a good movie. Right. You know, it's like, I mean, like, I'm sure it is going to be good, 
But if you had to sit there and say, like, oh, we did this movie. It's perfect. Here's a promo for it. And all of a sudden, a movie comes out. Like, well, maybe we should change a couple of things. It's like now you're not being true to your original, you know, vision. You're just – now you're just trying to alter shit to kind of resemble what's already out there. Um, I think other people are going to feel that way too. Now, now, I'm not saying everyone will. But I'm saying a small, like, few people are going to yeah. feel the same way. And yeah. they're going to they're go into the movie – you know, with that negative attitude already because of it. Like, okay, well, now they're going to see the, some goofy-ass, you know, scene happen, and they're going to think, I bet the original was better. I bet right. the, but what they had to begin with was perfect, and they just screwed it up with this. Right. Absolutely. I can see that. Yeah. But I, I think I think it I think it will be you know a boost. Um, I think people will go will see it more positively, and I think they will see it in a positive manner just because – um, of the Batman Superman thing not doing so well, um, opinion wise, right. not not fun. Well, and I think more people were looking forward to the Suicide Squad anyway. So yeah, well, people like villains; they like bad guys. Right, they're more relatable, especially in the DC universe where all of the heroes are the freaking Ubermensch and like are perfect in every way and basically immortal and blah, 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 blah. Well, it's like, and it, and that's why people like Iron Man. Like people don't like Iron Man because he's a good guy. People like Iron Man because he sleeps with a bunch of fucking random women and gets drunk. Right. People right. are tired. People are tired of goody, goody people. I mean, like, and granted, you know, Captain America is always going to be like a top favorite regardless of, you know, him being a goody, goody. But when you look at Winter Soldier, and now you're looking at Civil War. It's like you know he's not always that good guy. He's going to do what he believes is right, even if it means it's wrong in everyone else's eyes. Right, absolutely. And that's what people are sort of like, and that's what people are going to start liking him more. Right, totally you know. agree. Um, but yeah, uh, DJ Joe, thank you for uh, those questions. Um, if you guys have any more questions, you know, just let us know. You know, write us, uh, write us a. Facebook, uh, whatever it's called now. What's it called? The fa- right on our Facebook wall? Yeah, right on our that Facebook is. wall. Yeah. Page, whatever. Yeah. You know, write something on the Facebook page. Uh, send us a tweet. Uh, you could uh, use Twitter. Uh, use hashtag freaking sand. Leave us a question. We'll answer it. And we'll say your name throughout the entire thing while we answer it. Yeah. <laughs> John Doe asked this. Well, John Doe, let me tell you something about this John Doe. Thank you, John Doe. You know, whatever. You know, if your name's... John Doe. What about Jane Doe? I'll still say yeah. John. <laughs> so he'll just insult her. I don't know. What if Jane is a male's name? Because, you know, he recognizes himself as a male. Oh. Or he's in Firefly. Or he's in Firefly. Pretty sure it's Jane. Could be Jane. I don't know. Maybe it's Kelly. I don't know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Just has like, no idea. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> what, what, what's Firefly? Is that a movie? TV show? Uh, it's a TV a show that was on Fox and it was canceled after one season. And everybody thinks it's like the height of television. Yeah. I, th- I, 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 I liked it, but I didn't. I don't care if it comes back. Other people are like, we need it to come back. Someone get Netflix on this. And I'm just like, let Netflix go home. Yeah. It's fine. Anyway, I hear we have a guest tonight. We do. Uh, I just ran out of rum and coke, so I'm going to fill up this rum and coke, and then we'll come back to our guest. Perfect. Perfect. Um, So why don't we take this time to uh, plug a podcast? Because we haven't done that in a while. True. That's true. We haven't. So uh, check out the... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, What would we really like to do? Uh, take a note about the time currently, but my pen just exploded. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, well, while I get a new rum and coke, Joey gets a pen. Listen to, uh, the promo from a podcast that we all love. Hello, everybody. I'm Jason. And I'm Jeff. We're from the History of Bad Ideas podcast. You know what you're listening to right now, Jeff? What are we listening to right now? This freaking show. This freaking show? This freaking show. And when you're not listening to this freaking show... Take a listen to the history of bad ideas. Where we talk about sports, movies, and other pop culture events happening in the ar- world. <laughs> so take a listen. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, and any other place that you find uh, great podcasts like this freaking show. This freaking show.
Hi, everybody. Uh, we are now with our guest for the evening. Uh, so without any further ado, uh, I want to introduce you to CJ Standall. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me on the program. Welcome. Oh. Yeah. Yes, welcome. Glad, yeah. uh, glad to have you here. Um, why don't you uh, just uh, kind of give the uh, listeners an idea of uh, who you are? All right, so uh, my name is CJ Standall. That's actually a pen name. I'm actually a high school English teacher also in my other job. Um, before I published Rebirth of the Gangster, which is my first comic, I've done some small writing just for, like, Slant Magazine, which is now defunct. Um, and so Rebirth of the Gangster, it, which the first issue was just released about a month ago, is my first um, comic book work. I've loved comic books since growing up. Um, I'm 30 years old, and so, like, essentially since I was, like, six years old, I've been reading comics. Um, my, my parents got me a 30 issue x-men gift box for or gift uh box for christmas and i'm i always tell the story where if they knew what they were sucking me into they probably would have just got me clothes or something like that um so it's just been a fun passion uh comic books and i finally finally kind of got that motivation to just do something with it um i've had some ideas that were kind of rattling around in my head for the last couple years but finally about a year ago i really started plotting out Rebirth of the Gangster. I have like the whole series outlined and plotted out and all that. Um, and then the first script I started working on last fall and eventually hooked up with Juan Romero, this great, incredible um, indie artist of 10 years. Um, and kind of the rest is history. We released our first issue, um, like I said, about a month ago. Um, and right now we're actually running a Kickstarter for the second issue. Um, it has about 12, it has 12 days left. So it's, um, or like 12 and a half, because technically I guess it's, May 15th is the last date that it that it runs um and it actually about an hour before this got fully funded so congratulations 12 days whatever yeah, donations congrats. I get will be just gravy thank you again that's yeah it's it's a great thing to hear I mean especially since I've never run a Kickstarter never done anything like that before it was a little nerve-wracking and so it's really nice to get it done with plenty of time left um and so that money itself is actually being raised to uh fund the second issue which should be coming out in about a month or two kind of depending on how long it's going to take juan to illustrate it because um essentially i had the second issue the script already written by the time the kickstarter started and i was just waiting on that money to really pay juan i didn't want to make him do work for no money i don't want him to be a starving artist kind of thing um and which so that's kind of where i'm at um I guess for those of your your listeners who don't really know much about Rebirth of the Gangster, it's essentially a crime thriller, thriller, a noir. I like to think of it kind of as like Breaking Bad meets The Wire meets Othello, um, where essentially two sons are sucked into life of crime as they deal with kind of family legacies and a murder is over themselves as themselves. So there are a lot of twists and turns, a lot of um, kind of issues of class, race, family, all that stuff. I'm trying to I'm pretty much throwing in everything I've got, everything that I've been kind of thinking about while I've been teaching and reading and reading the last like 10 years. Um, I mean, I mentioned those TV show and uh, Othello influences, but I'm also hugely influenced by like 100 Bullets, Criminal, um, stuff like that. Wow. Sorry, yeah. What'd you get me rolling? No, 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 no worries. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it's fine, man. You're you're making you're making the interview process a lot easier. <laughs> um. So, uh, where where's your inspiration, or where did you get the idea for this uh, comic? Uh, who was the what was the inspiration for the comic? Um. I yeah. mean, I guess there yeah. are many. There there are a lot of um things that are the inspiration. Um, it actually kind of started with um I wrote this poem that was intended to be like the beginning of a book and kind of. The more I thought about that poem, the more I realized it was it was really something I wanted to, and the story that the book was going to be, I wanted to make it a comic. Um, but I guess as far as like the seeds that led to the the poem and the the book that eventually turned into the comic, um, a lot of it has to do with just um, I think just stuff we've been seeing in the country the last ten years. A lot of like the the Black Lives Matter, the racial um, divide, and kind of police brutality we've been seeing. A lot of the class issues are from are like inspired by the the one percent occupy wall street that type of that type of like conflict um and i guess if we're looking at um again direct influences i mentioned the break breaking bad the wire othello but actually um i've mentioned that i'm an english teacher and i've taught to kill a mockingbird for the last six years i've taught macbeth i've taught um a bunch of stuff that thematically dovetails into um that inspired partially Rebirth of the Gangster. I've, essentially, it was me re teaching To Kill a Mockingbird and seeing kids get excited about these issues, but not really excited by the story itself. 
Um, so I kind of tried to decided to like take these issues, which I'm also extraordinarily passionate about, these issues of class, race, gender, um, all that type of stuff, and kind of try to make it a little more, bring it a little more up to date and create something that I would hope my students would love to read, um, not just on like the idea issue level, but also on the plot level, because I'll be honest that trying to drag them through To Kill a Mockingbird is really, <laughs> really hard, just because it's moved so slowly. So I think that's... Um, Thematically, the inspiration was kind of from those books and from the, I guess, the greed, the power aspect of Macbeth. But I was looking for something that it would have a lot of twists and turns that would keep the plot just moving along and just kind of sucking anybody, even my high school students who are normally not into reading or doing anything like that. That's awesome. Um, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm looking at your, your Kickstarter page, uh, which I didn't know existed till just now. Um, you have got a lot of stuff going on here, and I am really impressed. Oh yeah, um, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I notice I notice your uh, your your location says here it's Madison, Wisconsin. Is that part of why you chose uh, a Hmong American uh, uh, slant, or is that like you know or, just yeah. something that's interesting to you personally, or? Yeah, I mean, so I, part of it is just it's. The Hmong population in, in Madison and Wisconsin is pretty big. Um, I'm actually also originally, I grew up in Minnesota, and the Hmong population there is even bigger. Um, so I think part of it was just me trying to work in what I knew and see. Um, and, I mean, I feel just that, um, especially uh, that we talk a lot about these issues of race, race, and it normally gets broken down into black versus white kind of thing. And then we yeah. tend to overlook other people. Um and uh, just kind of by way to illustrate that, again, I mentioned I'm a, a teacher, and in our faculty meetings and all that type of stuff, we tend to always focus on the achievement gap and between white students and black students and the uh, behavior issues, um, specifically mainly with black students. And that kind of as those years have gone by teaching and kind of getting the same message hammered in over and over in my head, I've also noticed that sometimes some of my Hmong students, some of my Latino students, they struggle pretty heavily. Um, for whatever reasons, not all of them, of course, but I would say yeah, just totally. on the level of some of these other groups of students were trying to help. Um, and kind of through conversations with teachers, we kind of got to like, came to this conclusion that we just don't really, we tend to kind of overlook those groups just because they don't cause huge behavior problems. Um, so they end up being almost invisible in a way, just because they maybe aren't doing as well academically, but because they're not like throwing chairs around or whatever, or yelling me and cussing me out we tend to kind of not focus too heavily on them, even though they're just as part of our, our nation, just as a big of a part of our school and like our classes and all that stuff. So kind of, yeah, absolutely. I wanted to bring in that side of the story um, and just give, I mean, as much as I can give among Americans and just give other types of other groups of people, Latinos, um, a voice that maybe is getting lost in this other bigger debate about race and class and all that. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. I, yeah, <laughs> I actually I went on Amazon and I searched this and uh, right now, at least for me, the Kindle price on Amazon, it's free. So I was able to pick it up on my iPad. So I might be reading that while we're talking. Uh, <laughs> I was that type of as actually I was that type of student that I'd be reading while the teacher was teaching. So I get it. Oh, totally. Um, Same here. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I actually, actually, um... Sorry, what was that? Go on. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say you mentioned it was on Amazon on on sale free. It's actually on sale till tomorrow free. It's part of the like the five day um, KDP like free giveaway program. They have that in the countdown. I mean, I just like the 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 price countdown where they discount it, and I just chose. Oh, gotcha. Trying to get more people and in, interested in the Kickstarter to to release it free and hopefully get people reading it and interested, and then kind of filtering back into the Kickstarter, which at least looks like it kind of worked if it if it uh, is all if the goal is all met and all that stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, I actually uh, picked up uh, the comic. Well, I actually read the comic uh, when we originally started talking uh, about a month or so ago. I think um, you had it uh, free somewhere else. Um, yeah. So, so I was, uh, so I, was, I actually read it then, and I kind of read it again today when I saw that uh, it was available on Amazon. And uh, I like, uh, I like how it starts off uh, with the first sentence saying, "I was born out of darkness into light." Yeah, thank you. That was actually, it was definitely the first thing that was written for this, for that poem I mentioned earlier, for the comic itself. Um, yeah, it's kind of, I guess I talked about all these other issues. I guess another big issue in the 
in the uh, comic is this idea of redemption. If we're born into negative circumstances, born into the darkness, can we redeem ourselves? Can we pull ourselves out of it, um, get into that light? Um, so I guess that can connect somewhat with like issues of race and class, but it also just has this, there's going to be this general story arc of, uh, I guess this is where the Macbeth influence comes in. Once people are in a negative situation or committing negative acts, what does it take to turn them around? Can they turn around and, and do something new? I mean, I think the quote, and I'm briefly paraphrasing here from Macbeth is, I've waited in this river of blood so far that to turn back would be as, um, wearisome as keep on going so essentially like to redeem myself is just as much difficult as it is to keep doing these awful things and so that's a big um kind of concern throughout this novel to, or the graphic novel throughout the series itself too sorry i kind of just jumped in there <laughs> <laughs> no no I, it's all good yeah no i mean I'd, I'd, I'd rather you answer with descriptive detail than just saying yeah i like it too <laughs> you know <laughs> so uh so looking uh, looking at all the artwork and everything, um, this uh, this guy does amazing work. How did you connect with uh, Juan Romero? Like, how did you guys meet and uh, put this together? Um, it's it's Juan Romero, uh, R O M E R A. Um, but essentially, I met with him, and I'm just actually quickly looking up the book bookmark now. Um, I met with him on a. It was just some website online. I actually. Um, it was Z, zwol.org. I don't know if you're supposed to pronounce it Zwall or whatever. Um, but I just, there's this post, this forum where they just post artists looking for writers, writers looking for artists, colorists looking for artists, that type of stuff. And so I kind of just, for about a month or so, kept flipping back and forth, coming, checking that website and seeing what people were offering. Um, and there were definitely some cool artists, but I guess. None of them were really matching the kind of the like the the noir-ish a aspect of this. Um, I didn't see that they had that capability in their their um, their illustrations. Whereas I saw some of the samples Juan had definitely matched that. And to make matters even better, he was relatively cheaper than most of the other uh, the other artists. So, kind of long story short, yeah, we just kind of communicated a couple weeks. Um, I got his email through that website, and then eventually we just decided on um, yeah, running with it. So how um, how do you guys communicate based on like you know like what needs to be drawn you know how are people are looking I mean does he like do some rough drafts send it to you or you just have confidence in him that what he draws is good and we keep moving on from that So I guess it starts first I do kind of full script almost Alan Moore Neil Gaiman esque style um, where it's maybe more detailed than it should be. Um, uh, and so I send that to Juan, and I kind of, in the, the script, I also had, I just, like, paste, like, uh, a drawing of the way I envision the layout, um, even though I tell him, definitely, if he thinks it's going to work a better or a different way, follow your instincts, I kind of say that. Um, so I send him the, the riff script that way, then he sends me some um, some of the, like, the thumbnails, some of the, the rough rough pages, and kind of, from there, most of the time, it's just me saying, wow, that looks better than I thought, great just now we're, you're ready to ink it that type of stuff um every now and then i'll be like oh this is maybe a way I, i'd like to change this panel to have maybe like a closer up shot of this or or whatever or change this panel so that instead of having just this one character we have maybe a couple um but most of the time it's just he takes my script improves on it and i don't really have any feedback even though he does send me those roughs for feedback most of the time i don't give him anything other than just looks great keep doing it yeah, and I guess the last thing I could add is that um, I mentioned that I, like, put in the drawings and, uh, of the layouts and all that stuff, and I say that if he feels like it, he can, should, should definitely follow a different layout that makes sense to him. Um, and I would say that overall he mainly stuck with my layouts, which is definitely fine, but I think I, I just, in the emails we, we've been sending this week about the second issue, I've been really re-stressing that point, like, these are just suggestions really 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 if you want to do something else go for it um because i think that just we're still finding our rhythm and all that stuff and so i kind of i think that he was maybe a little too faithful or just too like into my um uh vision for what the the page and the comic looked like and i kind of want it to be more of an equal melding of both of our instincts both of our experiences okay yeah we're gonna do all our communication because I... he actually lives in uh, yeah, just, Argentina, so. 
Oh, really? Yeah, you, you guys aren't you guys aren't having any board meetings anytime soon, then, are you? No, not at all. <laughs> so when uh now uh, looking looking through the comic and uh, kind of like rereading it real quick again, um, is there a uh, like a city that this is based out of? Is there like a time like a like a year or an era that uh, this is supposed to represent? Like, is it current time? Is it like the sixties? So we haven't really laid too many um, details or allusions to the city, but it is kind of set in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, As far as the era, it's pretty contemporary, although I kind of am setting it just a couple years back, um, just just because I think with some of the twists and turns in the plot, it's a little bit easier to um, set it in an era where, even though there is social media and all that stuff, it's not quite as dominant in our life and all that stuff. And all that stuff. So I would say it, we're looking at early 2010s, but not quite where we're at right now, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I was just because like when I because when I was looking at it, and without like without knowing like you know where it's taking place, uh, what year it's taking place, I I would assume somewhere like around like maybe like the 60s or 70s, just because it seems like it's like a more of an an older. Uh, a vision or view of what the location looks like or what or what's being depicted i just see something older like not so much like you know the 2000s or 90s maybe even the 70s or 80s sure um, yeah but at the same time i mean like maybe that's a good thing is like you know people can look at this and have their own thought and feeling about you know when it's happening and where it's located yeah i mean i think i i in the first issue i said like here's I made one reference to a specific Madison, Wisconsin locale, but other than that, nothing really else. Um, so I guess that's kind of been a struggle in my head. How generic, I guess, or general do I want it to be, or how more specific do I want it to be? Um, and I think actually as we keep, as the series keeps going on, I'll probably actually layer in some more of those uh, specific Madison um, Madison locations and just, I guess, the details about the setting and the time period. Um but I, I did really, I think I was focused so much on trying to introduce characters, get the plot rolling, get themes stated and all that stuff, that kind of the, the setting, the time period in Madison kind of took a little backseat at that moment. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, out of curiosity, uh, I noticed it's it's described as a black and white comic. I read through it. It is a black and white comic. Is that uh, like a funding issue or is that like intentionally done out of curiosity? I would say there's a little bit of both. It's it's gotcha. kind of started out as a funding issue, uh, but I also, like I mentioned, when I was looking at Juan's both uh, black and white work and color work, I I kind of gravitated more for this story towards his black and white work, um, just because again I think it had like the crime uh, thriller noirish kind of aspects, kind of that the heavy interplay between sh- shadow and light that we really see a little a little clearer in black and white. Um, definitely I think fits pretty well. Um, so that's, it's kind of a little bit of both, I guess, long term, um, I do have a publisher, uh, that's interested in printing the, like the graphic novels, the story arcs of this. Um, so essentially each six issues, they're interested in printing the story arcs. And I think kind of what's eventually going to happen. Um, the idea I have, we'll see if whether it becomes a reality or not, is that I'd actually color the present day scenes and then, or have Juan color the present day scenes and then leave the past 10 scenes in that black and white, (laughs) Um, so that there's, we still have a little of that yeah. noir aspect, maybe, maybe with the color dry and a little more readers kind of thing. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the big, the big plan. But we'll see. I mean, it's we'll see whether it gets there. I'm just focused on issue two right now. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, but uh, how many uh, were you planning on in the series? So. Or- is that something determined? Um, in the outline I've created, it's gonna, it's planned to be 24 issues um, of a, of four story arcs. So the first story arcs meet the family. Um, the The rest of the story arcs, the names are kind of working titles right now, but they're titles like a little um, a little more than kin, a little less than kind, um, stuff like that. So okay. That family aspect. Um, but yeah, so I have 24 issues, um, and it's essentially broken down into four story arcs of six issues each. And that's kind of where I see it, but obviously, I mean, 
anything could change. It could become, I need to make it a little bit more streamlined, a little more concise, so I might make it less issues. Maybe it really takes off and I realize I need more space, so I'll make it more. Um, but that's right now kind of where I'm set at. Okay. Fantastic. It's pretty ambitious for a first com- first time publishing a comic, so we'll see where it goes. Yeah, still, I mean, that's, I mean, that's just amazing. We've got... Uh, I've got a couple of friends and I who've been, we've been thinking about making some graphic novels for a long time now, and we've never quite taken the jump. And so this is pretty, it's really exciting to, to see you kind of doing this, uh, cause you're kind of living my dream right now. So it's, yeah. Well, hopefully so that, on top of that, you're, you're covering a lot of the same issues that are really deeply important to me. So yeah, hopefully I inspire you and maybe some other listeners. Um, I mean, I'd taught, like I'd said, I tossed around some ideas, um, thinking about making comics for five, ten years. Um, I actually wrote the script for a first issue for a different series called The Eye of the Beholder, and I had an artist um, that I met through a friend, actually, that we were kind of... We were working on that for a while, and then I actually hadn't really done that, like, that almost, like, anal, retentive planning of 24 issues for the outline and all that stuff. I hadn't planned it out. I was kind of trying to do the, like, I'm just going to wing it and kind of see where it goes, and mm-hmm. then it kind of worked so well for me, so... I kind of took, after that experience did not end so well for me, I took a little break, but then realized I got to come back and just learn my lessons. I know I'm not somebody who can do very well just by, like like I said, like improvising. I need that outline as a backbone. Even if I stray from it, I need it there to feel like a sense of comfort in and all that stuff. And so yeah, it definitely, like, even just that, the failed first comic was a huge, valuable experience for me because it definitely paved the way for Rebirth of the Gangster. That's usually how it goes, I think. <laughs> so that's awesome. I'm I'm really ah, I'm so excited for you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's so exciting. I mean, it's like I said, childhood dream. Uh, sometimes I'm thinking more about this than I am about teaching, and maybe I shouldn't admit that, but that's the way it is. <laughs> uh, well, there's plenty of lessons here that you can use to teach. So exactly. I actually also I'm going to be teaching a graphic novel class next year the first year that my school is offering it so i also tend to think I'm, I'm doing a little research here so i can help the students next year perfect <laughs> oh that's cool yeah when uh well when i originally like my whole plan was to go to college and become an english teacher myself um and obviously that failed uh because <laughs> i don't i don't go to college anymore um but Originally, the whole reason I wanted to be an English teacher is because I wanted to teach classes like uh, creative writing or poetic forms and stuff like that to high schoolers. Um, as it turned out, um, I hate grading homework. Oh yeah, so, that's well, so it's, it's, I know, right? It's like it's like I just I want to go into a classroom, tell people, hey, write what you want to write, you know. And the 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 thing is, it's like. You know, some people don't have the, you know, the creative vision to create a good, uh, a good story or they can't, you know, get their words out accurately. And how do you sit there and tell, you know, give a kid a bad grade for something like that? That, that was the biggest, that's the biggest problem I had. Yeah, I would say with things like a literary analysis essay and stuff like that, it's a little bit easier to give kids a bad grade if they just aren't like clearly stating their points. But yeah, with that creative writing, when they've written memoirs or poems or whatever, yeah, that's always been the struggle where I've just it's been like, I don't want to just shit all over your dreams and call you an awful writer. Exactly. But I also want to help you get better, too. And so just always giving an A isn't going to help them necessarily get better sometimes. So, yeah, that's a struggle. I don't really know. I haven't come up with a good answer. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not teaching creative writing right now. I actually was I taught it a couple years ago and then kind of moved – just every year our class schedule shifts, so it shifted away from that. So <laughs> I essentially didn't I didn't come to a conclusion that semester and haven't had to uh, come back to that struggle really yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like it, it – yeah, it was just one of the things that like eventually just kind of turned me off from teaching. Uh, originally I wanted to do the uh, creative writing point forms, and then I got away from that, and then I wanted to focus on like special ed. And after a while, I realized I hate being in class, you know, after after being a senior and everything to do another four years, it just wasn't worth it to me. So uh, everything worked out for the best. Um, I think it's better that I'm not seeing her teaching the youth of uh, the nation because they'd be fucked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sometimes I think that maybe I should have taken that detour, too, but... <laughs> But uh, with uh, with you being um, with you being a comic book uh, creator, um, uh, we uh, we actually uh, I asked uh, 
Joey and Colin a couple, um, I guess, comic, they could be comic-related questions earlier, and I'd like to ask you them and kind of get your input on it if, uh, if you're up for it. Go for it. Awesome. Um, did you go see the Deadpool movie? I did, yes. How did you feel about it? I loved it. I mean, I think Ryan Reynolds is, like, perfect casting for that role. I think that they did a great job balancing or staying pretty true and faithful to the source material and I guess partly making it rated R. I guess that's part of the the way they stayed faithful. Um, I also like that they were, they didn't try, I think I read some article where, like, the studio wanted them to tell a linear story um, and instead they really fought to to kind of jump around in time and all that stuff. Um, And so I think they just, I I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. Um, I guess I will flat out admit, though, as far as most comic book fans go, I don't have a super, like, high bar for comic book movies. Um, I know they're their own thing. I don't try to compare it too much to the the source material and all that stuff. So I thought it was incredible. But I will, again, add that little disclaimer that I like most comic book movies, with maybe the exception of things like Green Lantern. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, um... I think I guess the other question I wanted to ask is uh, based on all the other uh, comic book related uh, Marvel DC movies that came out, uh, what superheroes feel that do you feel should get their own movie, and what superheroes do you feel shouldn't get another movie? Sure. Um, so when you were saying what superheroes should, is that the the heroes that have already had their movies, or is it also including? Uh, well, I mean, it, it's 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 the way you want to answer it. I mean, if you want like a superhero who's never had a movie but deserves one, or one that had a crappy movie and deserves a second chance, like Green Lantern. Sure, I actually do think Green Lantern could be a very very cool movie. I thought that if they had mainly focused just on Sinestro and Green Lantern and really focused just on that relationship, rather than Sinestro Green Lantern and um, oh, wow, now I'm forgetting Hector Hammond. What's his? I don't know his. Hector Hammond, I can't remember his, his like, supervillain name, but I felt they tried to jam too much into that movie, and I think that if they'd streamlined it a little bit, they could have done a good job with it. So I actually think I'd be interested in seeing a new version of that. Um, I guess as far as Marvel goes, um, I mean, I think the, the big movie that I would love to see, even though I'd, I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen, is I would love to see a Miss Marvel or Kamala Khan movie. Um, I realize she's a very, very new character, but I think that... One, it would open up a lot of a lot of new like audiences to Marvel movies, and just two, she's an incredible character, and she's I think yeah, just very very like my students that have read any of Miss Marvel, like they love it, and so it's I think she's a little more relatable and um, I guess contemporary in a way to most audiences that I've seen. So I think that'd be a, that'd be a really cool movie I'd like to see. Um, as far as uh, movies I might not like to see, <laughs> or su- heroes I might not like to see, um, in a in a sequel or anything like that. I mean, I guess I will. Even though I said like I'm not somebody a fan or purist, um, I'm not the biggest fan of Zack Snyder's take on Superman necessarily. Um, just I think it's a little too dark personally, and so I think I'd like to see not necessarily like no Justice League, but I I am one of those people that I would like to see a different vision and take. Um, just because I feel like Zack Snyder did his thing and melded it with Christopher Nolan's thing, but didn't really create something that mashed or that meshed the DC universe as a whole, especially Superman. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Good answers. Yeah, I like it. And uh, the, the final question I want to ask you is uh, with uh, the bad, with, I guess the poor reviews that Batman vs Superman got, uh, do you believe that Suicide Squad will do better or help build DC back up from what was seen with uh, Batman vs Superman? Um, I, I think I think that it will do better at least like critically, uh, and uh, but uh, not commercially, of course. Um, I I think part of the reason though for that is that most people they don't people don't have expectations too much going in for a Suicide Squad movie. I mean, even somebody like me, who I've read a decent amount of Suicide Squad, Squad comics, I haven't read nearly as much of them as Batman or Superman comics, and so I, I come into the movie with a little less baggage, and so I think that it's kind of by that nature alone, it's going to be, pro- I think it will just in general be, um, just be more successful because of there's that less baggage, that le- those less expectations for it to, to fall short of. Um, I also just, 
I mean, I've been hearing a lot of great stuff about um, who's playing Harley Quinn. Margot, whatever the actress is playing Harley Quinn, I've been hearing a lot of great things about her, and I think that's just a very cool character. We haven't really seen any of those types of characters in, I think, the comic book movies, really. So I think there's just something new there, and I think it's going to be kind of much like Deadpool because it was kind of new as a, as a even though it's a superhero movie it was a new take on a superhero movie I think it's going to be a little bit more successful um, and I think that might re-energize people again back into the DC Universe movies gotcha yeah man I, I can tell why you're an English teacher man you're so descriptive and you use such good words <laughs> yeah but too descriptive but yeah <laughs> All right. Well, I I do appreciate you coming on our sh uh, our show and talking with us and everything. Um, you wanna you wanna tell our listeners uh, where they can find uh, your comic books or any other uh, works that you uh you have. Sure. Yeah. So um, really, the first issue of Rebirth of the Gangster is on Amazon. You can get it on your Kindle right now. It's just a digital release. I'd mentioned that the graphic novels. I have publishers interested in printing the graphic novels. They just couldn't afford do the individual issues so for now it's just kindle individual digital release um we had mentioned that it was available on a couple other sites before that um i briefly took them off barnes and noble and this other site sells selz um just so that i could run that Kickstarter or that kit or that not Kickstarter, so i could run that kindle um direct promotion of the free the five free days and so essentially i think it's like a, a month or something i have to have it off those platforms but it'll be back on the nook and back on sales in about a month um so that's kind of where Rebirth of the Gangster is. Uh, you can also go to Kickstarter and find Rebirth of the Gangster. Um, I've raised the $1,000, which was my goal, but there are 12 days left, and so I, I'd love to get more, and so that I don't necessarily need to do It'd be nice to have all the funds both for the second issue and the third issue raised in this Kickstarter so that we Juan and I can really just focus on the script and, and creating the comic, comic because I'll tell you that I love, I love every part of this process except for that kickstarter process i mean it's i'm very very grateful to fans but um if i could just jump right into the comic rather than have to wait the 30 days to see if i'm i'm gonna raise the fund or not funds or not um uh, i would love to just jump right into the comic so again those are on kickstarter i mentioned also that i was a contributor to slant um i think if you just go to slant.com you should be able to find some um cj standles find my um old articles and then kind of the last thing is that People should feel free to follow me on Facebook, CJ Standle, or Twitter, CJ underscore Standle, um, just to keep updated on where they can find the second issue and uh, any other any other things related to Rebirth of the Gangster or my company that I started, CJ Standle Productions, which is, if you go to cjstandleproductions.com, that's my um, main website. That's kind of where everything is centrally located. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I do appreciate uh, you coming on. Like I said before, uh, it, was, it was great talking to you. Uh, it was great meeting the creator behind an awesome comic book. Um, this is probably, like, in all honesty, this is probably the first comic book I've read in, like, years. Like, I'm just now kind of bouncing back into the whole, like, comic book, like, scene, uh, going to um, comic book conventions, uh, meeting creators and stuff there. Um, so... Great book, uh, I, I, great comic. I'm excited to see the second one, the third one, all the way up to number 24. Awesome, yeah, thank you. I'm glad I could get that get uh, make uh, my comic your get your gateway comic back into the industry. I guess. Um, oh, absolutely. I just really, yeah, I want to say again, just thank you guys. I actually didn't mention this, but this is my first podcast ever as CJ Standle. So, not only do I really appreciate it in general, I specifically appreciate it for you guys. Um, kind of just kind of breaking my or like i guess yeah busting my podcast cherry so thank you very much i hope we were gentle <laughs> you're a natural dude it's you did you're an excellent you're an excellent uh speaker thank you yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. we would love to have you every day right <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah we'd, we'd love to have you back on uh when um you know the second second comics are about ready to come out and everything and that's one thing that sucks is like it's like now that I finished the first one, I mean, I got to wait for the second one to come out, and I'm, I'm really excited for that to happen. Yeah, I've had a couple of people tell me that, and they're impatient. I'm impatient, too. Uh, but, yeah, I would love to come back, talk about the second issue when it's done. Awesome. Awesome. Um, perfect. Uh, Joey. Yes, sir. Every uh, Thursday morning, uh, the listeners could catch, could catch Joe here on this freaking show. Well, 
if our uh, listeners need to get more, you know, another thing that bugs me about me talking for a minute, I hate that every time I talk, I want to say viewers on a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm going to try that again without using the V. Uh, Joey. Yes. There we go. Uh, every Thursday, our listeners can catch Geek Cash Joe here on this freaking show. But where can they go if they need to get more? If you need more Geek Cash Joe, you can turn into the Geek Cast Live podcast at geekcastlivepodcast.com slash podcast. Or if you don't want to type in that horrendously long web address, you can type in gcl.ninja. You can also find us at, on Facebook and on Twitter. And you can find our shows on SoundCloud at 11 a.m. Eastern Time every Saturday morning. I, li- I like how it seems like that plug gets longer and longer as the weeks go on. <laughs> right. So it's not just me. <laughs> my, my co-hosts keep adding random things that we do. <laughs> like Before long, it's going to be GeekCast Live, first of its name, King of the Andals and the First Men, so on and so forth. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to get this freaking show on Google Play. I gotta figure out how to do that. Mm, yeah. Um, but until that happens, you can catch this freaking show on iTunes just by searching this freaking show. Why are there? You know, leave us a five star uh, rating and give us a review. Tell us why you love us. Uh, you can find uh, find us on our website, thisfreakingshow.com. You can go there, get in contact with us through Facebook or Twitter just by searching this freaking show. As always, I am Travesty. I'm Awkward Colin. And I'm GeekCast Joe. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of this freaking show. I'm out.